Thanks, Sammy. Good evening. How are you guys doing? Good. Okay. Okay, cool. Oh, it's great to be here tonight. I love being together on our Sunday night services. Um, I get to oversee it, um, as well as be involved with our students group, uh, Authentic, at the church. Um, And so I'm really excited to share something tonight. Um, And it's all about transformation. Transformation. Because I think that all of us are looking to change in some ways. I know I am. I know I haven't made it yet. I'm not perfect. And if you look throughout any bookshop, anything like that, you'll see self-help books on how to eat better, how to exercise better, how to parent better, how to sleep better, how to get better, better, all these kinds of things, how to improve ourselves. And I think that we all want change in our lives, and I'm reminded of this every year in January when we make our New Year's resolutions. We feel guilty after Christmas, spending too much money. Anyone been in that boat? Okay, a few honest people, the rest of you. Eating too much? Okay, a few more. Drinking too much? Okay, some very honest people. Awesome. And so we make New Year's resolutions. Okay, I'm going to eat healthily and I'm going to go to the gym and I'm going to do all these things. But how many of us realize that guilt is not a good motivator for change? Yeah. The busiest day of the year at the gym is January the 1st. The quietest day is January the 2nd. Everyone's given up. It's probably not statistically true. I haven't looked that up, but that's my theory. Your pressure from nagging parents has never changed a child's life positively. It's never created a healthy marriage. And a few years ago, I went on this journey of trying to understand change and transformation and how do I change. Throughout my life, I've struggled with my weight. I've not been underweight, I've been overweight. And a couple of years ago, it got to a point where it's like, well, see when the doctor tells you to lose weight? That's probably the time you probably should take it seriously. And there's times in my life where it's like, right, I'll go to the gym, I'll do my New Year's resolutions, I'll eat healthily, I'll do all these things. But the change never lasted. Maybe we can relate to with that, or maybe something else in your life. It hasn't lasted And one thing that I realized is that I needed to, not just to change my actions, but I needed to change my thinking. I had a a revelation or, or a reminder of that God has put me here for a purpose. And I had to start thinking differently about not just exercise, but also food. The food that I would eat mattered. I had to change the way about how I spent my time, that I can't just go all out every single day at the gym eating cucumbers and like that's it for the rest of my life. That's not sustainable. I had to change my thinking about what is actually sustainable for this to actually happen. And so I'm not quite there yet, but in the last two years I've managed to lose two stone. Thank, thank you, thank you, thank you very much. But I tried so often just trying to make changes in my life, but it was only when I started to change the way I was thinking about it that I actually saw transformation. And it brings me to tonight's verse, Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. If you've got your Bibles, if you've got your Bible apps, get them open. We're looking at the Bible tonight. 
and you're not going to look at it on the screen. Ooh, I know. Some of you are just so used to it, you don't bring your Bibles anymore. But if you've got your Bible app, Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, and we'll come back several times to this verse throughout the evening. Let me read it for us, and then I'm going to pray. It says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So tonight we're going to go on a journey of finding out God's way of change. And tonight the title is, Be Transformed by the Renewing of Your Mind. So let me pray for us. Father God, I thank you that we get to be here tonight with brothers and sisters, with our church family, God. And we get to be here, and God, we get to meet with you. And God, I thank you that you want to shape our lives, you want to speak into our lives, you want to change us. You want to make us more like Jesus. And God, we've tried so many times to change, but God, we need you. We need your power in our lives. We need your perspective. Lord, would you come and shape our hearts, Lord, shape our thinking tonight, in Jesus' name, amen. So I reckon that every single one of us have areas in our thinking that we want to change. But to allow that to happen, we need to correct our perspective. See, the Apostle Paul, he was the guy who wrote this letter to the Romans, where we find these verses. And he, this is Romans chapter 12, but there's been 11 chapters before now. And so throughout all these 11 chapters, Paul's been building a strong picture of who God is, who we are, the sin problem that we've got, and what God has done to rescue us, to bring us back into relationship with him. Romans 3, chapter, uh, chapter 3, verse 23 says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That human beings, men and women, all of us, we've missed the mark. We're not perfect. We're messed up. We need help. And then Paul takes us a little bit further in Romans chapter 5. It says that God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That actually, even though we were broken, that we rejected God, he did not reject us. And tonight, maybe you're thinking, I've I've rejected God. I I don't know him. I don't want to know him. I've lived a life that's away from him. You know what? Tonight, you may have rejected God, but tonight, God wants to accept you. And he wants to bring you back into that relationship with him. While you were far from God, that's when Jesus died for you. While you wanted nothing to do with God, that's when Jesus died for you. Isn't that good news? It's amazing. So Paul's building this picture of of who we are, who God is. And as we put our faith in Jesus, we're given a new identity. Romans chapter 8 says this, the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children, that we've actually been brought into God's family. We are adopted. We're given his identity, his name. Why? Because of his love for us. Not because of how good we are, but because of how good God is. That's awesome. Our perspective in life depends on what lens we're looking through. And Paul's encouragement in this moment is that we need to live our lives through the lens of the cross and resurrection of Jesus. In light of what God has done for us. In light of our brokenness, but yet his grace and his mercy. 
And for many of us, we've got different factors that play into what creates our perspective of life. What our parents have said to us, the environment we grew up in, positive and negative experiences. And our our thinking is all defined by our perspectives on life. But Paul wants to bring us back to have the right perspective, to correct our perspective and say, when you put your faith in Jesus, you have a new lens to look through. In view of God's mercy, having considered all these things of what God has done for you, on the back of that, live a life. Live a life for him. To offer your body as a living sacrifice. That's what these verses say, a living sacrifice. I don't know what you know about sacrifices, but what I know is that when you sacrifice something, it dies. That makes sense, right? But yet Paul's talking about a living sacrifice. For me, that's like, how does that work? That's an oxymoron. What Paul's communicating with us is that we live as if we were sacrificed. Actually, that we're not our own anymore. We're totally God's. We're not a little bit sacrificed but we're fully sacrificed. That we're not just a little bit, okay, I'm trusting Jesus a little bit, but actually I'm trusting Jesus totally. That I'm all in. And that means our hearts, our minds, our bodies, our actions, our decisions, everything, in light of what God has done for us, In that viewing, wow, how amazing he is and what he's done for us. Living in light of that, okay, God, everything I have is yours. Allowing the message of the gospel to touch every single part of our lives. Our Mondays and Tuesdays, our Fridays, our Saturdays and our Sundays, and the ones that I missed out as well. Every day, to allow God's, this message to touch every part of us. To let God's mercy shine through us. To reflect that. See, sometimes people have got issues with me. Okay, let me be a little bit even more honest. Sometimes I've got issues with people. Some of you, no, you're not not here. Um, But who's ever had an issue with someone? Okay, let's be honest. Who still has an issue with someone? Okay, tonight, go and put that right. Amen. But we, 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 we sometimes have issues and we're like, we struggle and we, we, we don't know what to do about it. And I remember recently, um, I went to an event a couple of months ago and I, it, it wasn't here just so you know. But I, I knew some people that were going and I knew there was a bit of tension, a bit of an issue between us. And to be honest, I really did not want to go. I'd, has anyone ever been in that situation? Okay, I know it's getting quite real. But I, I, just, I just did not want to go. And there was just a block in my heart. I realized there was a bit of resentment, bitterness, something going on here. But as, I can't remember exact, the exact point, but as I was reflecting, oh, wow, God's done so much for me. He's forgiven me so much. What right did I have to hold on to that? To hold on to my unforgiveness, to hold on to my bitterness? And so before God, I wrestled with it by myself. I cried over it. I was like, God, this isn't fair, this is annoying, this is frustrating, this is hard. But I released it to God. I was like, okay, God, I'm not going to hold anything against them. And I went and I really enjoyed it and I actually enjoyed seeing them and it was a great event. You see, our perspective impacts how we actually live our lives. What we focus on in our minds actually affects how we live. 
What consumes your mind will control your life. And the thoughts that we have. Some of us have got lots of thoughts all the time buzzing around. Some of us don't feel we've got much thoughts. Some of them are conscious thoughts. Some of them are unconscious thoughts. And as we think about things, mull them over, what happens is we start to feel those things. So as you think about someone who's been unfair to you, you start to feel a bit angry. And then our our thoughts lead to our our feelings. Then our feelings, they lead to what we actually do. We're angry, we shout, or we lash out. And it's not just started with our actions. It started before that in our emotions, but before that in our thinking. I don't know if you ever tried to tell yourself not to feel something. You know, you're feeling really frustrated. It's like, Dan, stop being frustrated. Oh, oh, that's so much better. Bliss. We don't really have that much control of how we feel, but we do have control over how we think. Keep that in mind next time you're on Princess Street and there are tourists and they're walking along, taking photos, being really slow, and you're trying to get to work. Just remember that. Okay. You'll be a blessing to the rest of Edinburgh. But we can't live a positive life when we have a negative mind. What, how we think comes out to how we live. See, often we focus on what we do or we don't have. We know that that, that changes how we feel about life. We lose our perspective of what God's done for us. We get resentful. We're hurt. And so first we need to correct our perspective. The lens and the filter that we see everything through. Because if, you're, if your perspective informs your thoughts and your feelings and how you live, then Jesus must be our starting point, what he's done for us. That must be how we see everything through. And many of us, we want to live a Jesus-centered life. Therefore, we need to have a Jesus-centered mind. See, it's all about Jesus. For example, how I think about Jesus and what he's done for us, it affects how I think about myself. You know, see, because of Jesus, I am a child of God. Because of Jesus, I'm alive. Because of Jesus, I'm chosen. Because of Jesus, I'm accepted. Because of Jesus, I'm loved and I'm free and I'm healed and I'm unashamed. I'm fearless, I'm secure. I'm a new creation because of Jesus. I'm born again because of Jesus. I'm light in this world because of Jesus. I'm more than a conqueror because of Jesus. I am mighty in his power because of Jesus. Do you see, it starts to affect how you think by what you focus on. Why do you think we talk about Jesus every week at church? It is not by accident. Some are like, we're talking about the same thing every single week. Talking about this cross thing and the resurrection. Why? Because we need to see everything through that. Everything through the gospel. And we all need it. Some of you have been Christians for years, decades, centuries. No, maybe not. But some of you have been Christians for ages. And you know what? You need the gospel tonight. You need to hear about Jesus. You need to be reminded of who he is. Some of you have been Christians maybe for a few months. That's awesome. But you need to be reminded of who Jesus is. You need to see everything through his perspective, through the perspective of the Bible. Some of you don't yet know Jesus. You need to hear the gospel. Jesus loves you. He died for you. He wants to give you life and life fully, both here on earth, but in eternity forever. To live with him. We all need the gospel. We all need to know Jesus. 
That's why we talk about it every week. We need to keep him in mind, keep what, what he's done for us, that our forgiveness, our healing, everything that he's done for us, we need to keep that in mind and we need to live from this reality. See, this changes how we live. This changes our experiences. There are times in my life when I do stuff that I wish I didn't do or say things that I wish I didn't say or have attitudes that I wish I didn't have attitudes about. We're all in that boat, aren't we? I'm not even going to ask for a show of hands because I know every single one of us. Definitely myself. And so I, I've, I've learned, you know, I used to just beat myself up all the time. Oh, I've messed up again. Okay, I need to beat myself up. I need to beat myself up. I need to beat myself up. And does, who, what good does that do to anybody? Nothing. And yet we sort of feel, oh, we deserve it. But then we come to the Bible and we see what the Bible says. And it says in Romans 8 that there is no condemnation for those in Christ. And that's not an excuse to be like, oh yeah, I can do whatever I want. But it's like, wow, I've messed up and yet I'm still accepted fully. I don't have to wait three days until I've, I'm pure again and I've sorted everything out before I can pray and God hears me. God can hear you in the moment that you've messed up. In that moment, the sacrifice that Jesus made was enough. It is enough. And so therefore, I live with a lot less guilt, a lot less condemnation. Are there times where I struggle with it? Yes. We've not made it yet. But it changes your experience of life. So build your life on God's mercy. Not just in theory, but in practice, in how you view work and how you view church and how you view your friendships and, and challenges and relationships and all these things. View it all through this perspective. See, I think that life, a life that's worth living is a life that's got full view of God's mercy. I think that's the best way to live your life, to understand that there is freedom in Jesus, to understand what he's done for us. That's not something that shackles you and makes you a prisoner in your mind and your heart. Actually, that sets you free because Jesus sets us free. Let's read Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2 again. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So I think that we're made as human beings for patterns. We're made as human beings for rhythms in our lives. We're made for routines in our lives. I think it's what it means to be human. We eat, sleep, work, Rave, repeat. Some of them more than others. Obviously, they're sleeping. But our most important patterns are the ones in here. The ones in here. Our in, inner patterns. You know, when we're alone, where does our mind wander? It keeps coming back to the same worry. That's a pattern. You know, when something happens, when bad stuff happens, how do you react? You just get angry. And it's a pattern. When you're, you're sad, 
You go to food. You look at images online. You try and find some comfort in that. It's a pattern in your life. The patterns that we have in here are the most important ones. And we need to choose your pattern well. And if I'm living in God's mercy, with God's mercy in view, this will change how I th- what I think about and how I think about it. See, Paul instructs, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world. It therefore must be possible. He's writing to Christians, he's writing to a church. He must be then possible, even if you are a Christian and a believer, that it's possible to conform to the pattern of the world. That's my logic. You can agree or disagree. That's fine. But that must be possible to simply go with the flow, to simply just get by, to fit in with what's going around. And so, if you're a follower of Jesus, you put your trust in him, you're saved. But quite often, our thinking still needs to catch up with that. Our thinking needs to change. And so, it's so easy for us just to conform with what's going on around us. Because it's easier sometimes. It's easier never to have an opinion that's different from others. It's, it's easier not to speak up about an injustice because no one else is. It's, it's, you know, we're, it's harder for us to say that's wrong. It's easier to stay silent. It's easier not to talk about Jesus. It's easier not to talk about church because no one else is. It's easier just to do what you feel like. But Jesus called us to be different. Jesus has called us to be the salt of the earth. And there's a reason for that. See, when you put salt on your food, you do not put salt on your food so that it tastes the same as everything else. You put salt on your food so that it enhances and it transforms the taste. See, as salt of the earth, we're called to make a difference. We're called to stand out. We're called to help transform communities around us. See, nobody has ever changed the world by conforming. There's a different way of living. And Paul says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. There's a different pattern to live by. And God's got a different pattern for us to think and to think about than our default to think about ourselves. Isaiah chapter 55 says this, that this is God speaking, says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, your thoughts, my thoughts than your thoughts. And I don't know about you, but I've not measured the distance between heaven and earth. We can chat about that after if you have. I'd like to know. But I think it's quite far. So when God's saying, my thoughts are higher than your thoughts as far as heaven is from the earth, it's different. It's a different level. See, God's making this point. God thinks differently to us. And when we learn to renew our minds, what we're doing is that we're bringing our thoughts in line with his thoughts. And so when we're thinking about things like healing, we can think along the lines of, well, no, it's just the way things are. I've, I've been in pain for a while, so I should just keep, let's, let's just not bother. I'll just put up with it. But then we see what the Bible says is that, you know, Jesus come to heal the sick. He's come to, to raise the dead. He's come to cast out demons. He's come to do those things. And we're like, oh yeah, let's just conform with the world's thinking. Let's just let things be. And some of you have moved to Edinburgh looking for work or you're finishing university and you're looking for, okay, I want to move on and do something. And, 
And, you know, let's just go where the job is. Let's go where the opportunity is, where the next door opens, and I'll take it. I'll just go with it. Because that's what everyone else is doing, right? And then we come to Scripture, and it says, you know, be planted in the house of the Lord. Prioritize God. Prioritize his church. And I'm not trying to convince you to stay here if God's calling you to go somewhere else. That's cool. But think about how you're thinking about it. What is number one in your decision-making? What about when you're online, social media? Is it, uh, are you trying to find your identity from how many likes you can get, how many comments, how many friend requests, how many followers can you get on social media? Are you trying to glean some sort of identity? That's what many people are doing. But if you're a follower of Jesus, you're called to find your identity elsewhere. You're called to find your identity in him. God says, I am well pleased with you. You're my son, you're my daughter. I have adopted you. It's a different way of thinking. And so we need to renew our mind. We need to come into line with God's thoughts in our lives. Renewing our mind is not always an instant process. Actually, it will take a lifetime of choosing God's pattern for our lives. But we have the mind of Christ. And that's a gift. And we must learn to embrace it. See, we're not helpless in our transformation. We're not, we're not called to be passive. Okay, God will change me when he wants to change me. We're called to engage with the process. The word renewing, I looked it up because I'm a geek. And the original Greek, the word that's used for this is a word called anakinosis. You guys are impressed, I can tell. And so this is translated as renewing. But I also found it interesting, it could also have been translated as renovated. See, when we're bringing our thoughts in line with God's thoughts, we're renovating our mind. And I don't remember if you remember being a kid and you were off school and watching daytime TV, or if you're working shifts at the moment, you can watch daytime TV. Obviously, there's lots of great stuff on daytime TV. But some of these programs are like property renovations, uh, I don't even know what they're called. I tried to look it up. I couldn't actually find any good ones. 60-Minute uh, Makeover. Sammy is a connoisseur of renovating houses, programs, anyway. Um, speak to Sammy after if you want any ideas. Um, but, you know, uh, we, we see people go into these old houses and, you know what, it looks a bit rubbish and it's a bit run down and stuff. And then they go room by room and they're always going to run out of time. They're always going to run out of money and all these kinds of things. And at the end of it, you're like, I don't even recognize that house. That's amazing. And sometimes it takes months and it's all fitted into like a 30-minute program or whatever. But there's been so much work going on. There's been little changes, big changes. And it's been a progression through room to room. And actually, as God transforms us, he renovates our mind. He renovates our thinking. He takes out the old, the garbage, and he brings in the new. And it's not all done in once. It will take months. It could take years. But God is working on us. And so when we recognize things in our lives, in our, in our thinking, in our mindsets, it's, it's, not, it's not the way God wants me to think. We need to bring it to God. And there's a word that we sometimes, maybe meet just me, but sometimes I like to shy away from. It's called repent. Repentance. And sometimes we just think about that as we're the worst people ever. We just need to repent and get our lives back on track. But actually the word repent means to change our mind, to turn around 
The definition I found is, I repent, change my mind, change the inner man, particularly with the reference to the acceptance of the will of God, to repent. See, when we recognize these things, we're not called just to ignore them, just, okay, just leave it. But actually, we're called to engage with the transformation and the renewing and the repenting and the changing direction of our thinking. See, first and foremost, we need to repent of our thinking. Not first our actions. See, God is first concerned with our hearts. See, in the Old Testament, there was lots of laws and the Israelites used to try and obey these all the time. And then Jesus comes and he flips everything on its head. And he takes it to another level. And says in Matthew chapter 5, 27, 28, Jesus saying, you've heard it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. It's, Jesus isn't just concerned about what you do, but he's concerned what's going on in here. What's going on in here? That matters. Because as we talked about earlier, our thinking leads to how we feel, and our how we feel leads to what we do. You see, an affair never starts with sex. It starts in the thinking, in the daydreaming. And the thinking about it leads to a bit of dissatisfaction with your relationships. And then as you start to feel like, like, oh, the grass is greener on the other side. And then you do something based on how you feel, and then it leads to regret, feelings of guilt, shame, brokenness there's a progression and it starts in our thinking the grass is always greener where you water it and watering it means it must start in our minds see we compromise in our thoughts before we compromise in our actions we do so we need to learn to change our thinking to allow God to help us to renew our mind we can try and establish new habits trying to change our behavior. But it's only through renewing our mind that we see God's transformation, the one that lasts. Tim Chester is a pastor down in England. He wrote a book called You Can Change. So I read that earlier this year because I thought that's probably helpful. He says this in it, that the root cause of my behavior is always, always my heart. What we see is behavior and emotions. And it's easy to focus on changing behavior and emotions, but lasting change is achieved only by tackling their source, the heart. And there's probably many reasons why we don't embrace God's thoughts and his way of thinking. I think one of those is that we don't actually know what he says about something. When I was struggling with just a lot of guilt and condemnation, I didn't know that God says there is no condemnation for those in Christ. Sometimes we just don't know. How do we find out? We recognize, as we read the Bible, we recognize what's God, what's his voice. Something as I've been on this journey the last couple of years and what my thinking's like and looking at that is that I just realized I became aware that I was really lacking in my self-awareness. That sometimes I don't actually know what I think about. Some of you are like, he's crazy. <laughs> and you're right. But sometimes, often, we don't actually know what we're thinking about. And then we just have all these emotions. We're like, ah, but you don't know why. Uh, Chris Valutin is a pastor in America at Bethel Church. said, you can't conquer what you refuse to confront. And you can't confront what you can't see. 
Some of us are so busy that we don't even have time to think. If you don't have time to think, you're too busy. Or sometimes we distract ourselves. When we have a moment, we've got a moment at a bus stop, or we've got an evening in, we'll distract ourselves with entertainment. Netflix, social media, we won't actually engage with our thoughts. Sometimes we're just lacking self-awareness. I think sometimes the reason we don't embrace God's thoughts is that it's uncomfortable. You know, we can sometimes find it hard to identify what our thoughts are. That it's like a, a dirt track. That uh, Land Rovers and all these things have been going along for years. And the tracks have been embedded into the road. And now you're coming along, oh, I'm trying to think in a different way. And it's trying to create a new track. But it's so much easier to stay in the old track. But God wants to form those new tracks of thinking in our minds. To choose God's pattern. See, sometimes we don't actually desire God's change in our life. Something I realize is that, yes, I, I desire some change. I desire to, you know, I want to be better at praying. I want to do these things. I want, most of us would say we have some sort of desire. But so often our other desire to stay comfortable, to stay within our comfort zone, is actually greater. And so what we need to be honest about sometimes is where is our desire to change? Is our desire to change is it greater than our desire to stay the same? And as the desire and the hunger to change grows further than our desire to stay where we're at, that's when we start to see transformation. I tried for years going to the gym. I tried for probably not years to try and eat salad. But it was only when actually I was like, okay, I don't actually want to change. That's when I started to change in my thinking. Sometimes we need to recognize where our comfort zones are, even in our thinking. And lastly, one of the reasons why we don't want that change or we, we don't experience this transformation is that we think we know best. We think we know be- we best. Like, you know, God's thoughts are not our thoughts. You know what? If I'm really honest, sometimes I think my thoughts are a little bit better than God's thoughts. You know, he wrote these thousands of years ago. He probably, he's not really relevant anymore. Uh, what does he know about relationships? You know, everyone's having sex these days. Does it really matter? See, God's thoughts are not our thoughts, and sometimes we think we know our way is better. That's what we think. But it's not. And so we refuse to allow our, our minds to be renewed with his thoughts because we think our thoughts and our ways are better. You guys still with me? Great. Okay. Let's read this verse again. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. See, renewing your mind is a journey. And we need to learn, you need to learn, I need to learn, to celebrate your progress. To celebrate your progress. See, renewing your mind will have an effect on your life. And you and others will see the result of renewing your mind. Have you ever caught up with a friend after 
a while and you notice there's something different about them. Maybe good, maybe not so good, but what's changed has been their thinking. See, your thinking has an impact on how you live. John the Baptist was talking to the Pharisees and he says in Matthew chapter 3, produce fruit in keeping with repentance, with this change. See, there is evidence of the Holy Spirit in your life. And the evidence is that not perfection, but progress. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23 says, The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. These are the fruit of the Spirit. I don't know what you think about fruit. I quite like some fruit. Some fruit I'm not that fussed about. But I want to be honest, especially if you're from Africa or Asia, I just want to apologize for our fruit. It's not very good compared to the fresh ones, compared to the really juicy, ripe ones. Am am I right? Yeah, okay. You see, the best fruit is not manufactured in a factory. It's not genetically modified. It's not hurried up to try and mash produce. The best fruit is organic, real ripe and ready this is the best type of fruit it's not been rushed it's come over time it's grown over time and sometimes it's slow to to get it but when when those strawberries are bright red they're so juicy when those mangoes are just right and you know they're right and nothing can compare to them that's the best kind of fruit but it takes time and, and God relates this, this growth in us, this growing of love, peace, joy, as fruit. Fruit of God's work in our lives. And this is an instant overnight. If you get an apple tree overnight, it's probably not going to be the best apples. And if God was to rush the love growing in your life, it's probably not going to be the best love. We don't want fake love in our lives. We want the real thing. So tonight, maybe there's one of those fruit of the Spirit that you want God to grow in your life. We're going to spend time worshipping in a few minutes and spend time engaging with God. And so I would encourage you, maybe ask God to grow one of those things in your life. But this is what I want us to be careful of. Don't expect perfection. Don't expect you to walk out of here like, I am perfectly loving. But expect over time for God to grow these things. You see, I realized that a couple of years ago, I went on this journey of trying to get healthier, trying to lose some weight. I'm not there yet. And I'm using this as an example. You know, I realized there's still time to go. There's still effort to put in. There's still things to change. Not there yet. Sometimes it feels like I'm taking one step forward and then... Has anyone ever tried to make a change in your life and it feels like that? You're like... Yes, positive step forward, two steps back, and then we give up. But actually, sometimes it's like that. Sometimes we need to take that step forward. And so look for progress. Look for over time growing in love, over time growing in peace. There'll be times when we slip back into our old ways of thinking, even when we feel we've had a breakthrough. Don't beat yourself up. 
Don't give up. Take a moment to thank God for the, how far he has brought you. You're not who you were 10 years ago. So often I expect myself to be further than I actually am. I expect perfection from myself. I have my, uh, such a high bar for myself sometimes. But you know what? I don't think God has the same expectation. He's much more graceful than I am. <laughs> He's much more kind and loving and encouraging. So celebrate your progress rather than expecting perfection. Being transformed by the renewing of your mind is a continual process to keep committing to. So just as I end, I want to give maybe a few practical things. How does this look like in our lives? Are you guys up for some practical stuff? Oh, we love a bit of practical stuff. Awesome. So, first of all is this. Care about it. Care about the renewing of your mind. Care about growing in your walk with God. There's probably been times in my life where I haven't actually cared that much. I've grown apathetic. But apathy has never led to transformation. Apathy has never led to renewing of my mind. I saw on Twitter a little while ago, um, a guy posted... Uh, if you have enough passion to complain, you have enough passion to transform. Oh, yeah, it's good. Danny likes it. If you have enough passion to complain, you have enough passion to, to transform. So care about this transformation. So secondly, identify your patterns. We all have patterns, don't we, in our thinking our defaults for where we go when, we, when we're worried. Take a, take a check. When you're worrying about something, identify it. Okay, I'm worried about this. Because sometimes we just go through without even being aware of these things. Okay, I'm actually worried about money because I keep coming back to it. I'm worried about what I'm going to do after university. I'm going to worry about these things. What do you worry about? What's the patterns going on in your soul? What are some of the common responses that you have to people? One that I had for so long and I've tried to break is that when someone asks, how are you? I'm tired. I'm tired. And I, I was like, okay, well, you know, the thing is I'm just tired. That's how I am. But when you start to go a little bit under the surface, where's that coming from? It's like, well, I'm not going to bed on time. Okay, well, why am I not going to bed on time? Because I don't actually know what time I need to go to bed at. And so there's a whole process of working out Actually, I need to think differently about how I'm spending my time. I need to think differently about what time I'm going to bed because it's resulting in me just saying that I'm tired all the time when actually, and I'm feeling out of control with that, but actually, I kind of have control of what time I go to bed. My parents don't call me up anymore and tell me when to go to bed. It might be useful sometimes. You know, and so I feel like I have no control over how I'm thinking, how I'm feeling, but actually I do. Another top tip is yeah, I just like giving tips. Don't have your phone in your room at night. Like if you're feeling, oh, I'm tired all the time, one of the reasons is probably because you've got your phone in your room. That was my experience. I now plug it in in the kitchen and leave it overnight there. It's okay. Some of you, that will change your life because it did change mine. <laughs> what are the things that you constantly struggle with? Maybe you want to journal. I've started doing a journal of writing about two sentences because I tried to do like 20 and I did it once and that didn't stick. 
That was a habit that didn't form. But I can actually do two sentences. What am I journaling about? How am I feeling each day? What's the pattern over my life? How can you identify those things? Another thing. So caring about renewing your mind, following God. Identify those patterns that you're seeing in your life. Cut out the negative influences. And there's probably not a hard and fast rule of what's a negative influence of some of these things. It matters what you watch on Netflix. It affects how you think. It affects what, what type of music you listen to. Maybe some music you should never listen to. Maybe some music you should always listen to. I'm not going to tell you which bands to listen to. You can work that out by yourself. But I also know that if I listen to some certain bands, my thinking changes. It's a lot more negative. Or it's a lot angrier. And I'm like, where does that come from? I'm being influenced negatively by something. Social media. Do you see everyone complaining on social media? Unfollow them. They are a negative influence. Games on your phone are designed to be addictive and control your thinking. Candy Crush. Does anyone still play Candy Crush? Cool. Let me use that as an example. I used to play Candy Crush, and if you don't know it, it's one of these games on your phone where you have to like, line up all these things, and then it'll delete them, and you get scores and stuff. It's really not that interesting, if you think about it. But it's really brightly colored, so it's nice. It's addictive. Um, so I realized that I got to the point where I needed to give it up and cut that negative influence out of my life when I started playing it without a phone in my hand, but just watching the things going in my mind. Has anyone ever been like, is it, I feel really weird admitting that. Um, you know, yeah, okay. Um, you know, when you get to somewhere, you're like, okay, this is becoming a negative influence on my mind. Then you know it's time to cut it out. And not just cutting out the negative stuff, but actually emphasizing the positive stuff. Deliberately thinking the right stuff. So in, in the last few months as well, one of the things that I've tried to develop in my life is a, a habit of in the mornings. I was realizing that I was waking up in the morning usually pretty negative. Pretty grumpy. And you're never, yeah, not morning people, cool. And just not really in the best mindset. And so one thing that I started to develop as a habit in the mornings is actually have a list of things that I would actually say out loud of positive declarations. And that might sound really cheesy. might sound really awkward. But actually it means that I'm engaging with something positive with my mind at the start of the day rather than just going with the flow of how I'm thinking. Because how I'm thinking will influence how I feel and how I feel will influence what I do. And what I do, if it's not positive, it'll be negative and I don't want to be like that. So actually being able to speak out positive things in the morning has really helped me. Maybe there's other positive things you can bring into an influence in your life. One of the things as well is some of you may react to this very quickly some of you may love it but reading reading and so obviously one of the most important things is reading the bible that will affect it will influence it will transform and help you renew your mind like nothing else it is amazing to be transformed you first have to be informed you have to know what god's thoughts are you have to know what his word is do you value the bible do you value spending time with it? We spend time with what we value. So if you don't know what you value, look at how you spend your time. 
Uh, Joyce Mayer, who's really good at this, these things about your thinking and renewing your mind, says this, that to live in victory, you must begin by lining up your thoughts with God's word. We are not walking in the word if our thoughts are the opposite of what it says. We're not walking the word if we're not thinking the word. Get the word in you. Get the word in your thoughts. And we read all the time. The Daily Telegraph, a very trustworthy source, did some research recently and they said that we spent on average about two hours online or on social media every day. And some of us do that and we think we're not very good at reading. And I, I'm not... I realize some people do struggle with it, but sometimes I think we just read so much that we numb ourselves to being able to read. For some of us, I know that's, me, that's true for me. And so if we spend one hour a day on social media and one hour reading, that's probably going to be better for our minds and our thinking. And I know some people don't like reading or learn in different ways. There's different ways of reading. I also love to listen to books as well. So I listen to books when I'm at the gym. I listen to books sometimes when I'm walking along the street. And whatever format, it doesn't really matter. I would encourage you to learn to grow with those things. And lastly, hang out with people who also want to grow. Hang out with people who are like-minded in that they want to be transformed as well, that they know that they're not perfect but yet they want to have God's thoughts in their thoughts. That they want to have God's mind on things. Be in a small group. Be in a small group. Attend a small group regularly. Invest in the small group. Turn up at small group and ask what you can do to help. If there's not a small group near you, please start a small group. Come and speak to us. We'd love to equip you for that. But whatever it takes, be part of a a group of people. Do life together with people who also want to grow, who also want to be transformed by the renewing of their mind. And you will see your life transformed. Will it happen overnight? No. It'll happen over time. It'll happen over your life. But God will bring real transformation in your life. See, align your life with God's plan and his desires for you. Because I think that we cannot afford to not renew our minds. See, your transformation will bring transformation in others. When you're excited about God, that's going to spill out on those around you. And it's one of the most important things we can do. See, W.E. Sankster, and I'll finish with this quote. He wrote a book called The Secret of the Radiant Life. And this is one of the things he says in it. The greatest service anyone can render to the community is to have the mind of Christ. Wow. The greatest service anyone can render to the community is to have the mind of Christ. Nothing would be more advantageous to the world than more people with the mind of Christ. Let's pray together. Just take a moment. The band are going to come back and they're going to lead us into some some songs. But we just want to take a moment before we move on to reflect, to think about some of these things. Maybe as we've been talking that you've actually, I know I struggle with that way of thinking. I know that that's a, a challenge for me. Maybe there's something you've been struggling with. 
Maybe it's as simple as food, like me. Or maybe it's something like exercise. Maybe it's something deeper. Maybe it's a way that you see yourself. But you also know that it's not God's thoughts for you. That's not how he sees you. As I encourage you, as we pray just now, but also as we worship to do business with God, to engage with him, to ask for his help. Maybe you want to take a moment to read your Bible. That's why we were thinking about that about this. I also realize that maybe some of you tonight, you don't actually yet know Jesus. You've never taken that first step of saying yes to him. Maybe you don't have this view. Maybe you didn't know, you've never experienced this. And so tonight, I would love to pray for you. I'd love to pray with you. Tonight, God is inviting you to take the next step to start this relationship with him, to say yes to him, He's not asking you to be perfect. He's not asking you to have your life together. But he's asking you to be open. To say yes to him. And so I'm going to pray. And if tonight you're thinking, I want to make that decision to follow Jesus. I want to start this relationship with him. I would encourage you, as I pray, I'm going to pray it very slowly. Just a little bit by a little bit. Would you pray this as well? You can pray it under your breath. You can pray it in, in your thinking. But I encourage you, if you want to take this step, would you pray along with me? You can pray like this. Dear God, thank you that you love me. Jesus, I believe that you died for me to forgive me of all my sin. I believe you rose again from the dead to give me a new life. Today, I want to accept that new life and follow you. Help me to live for you.